Welcome, friends, to the Agora Network Ministries program, Hope for the Agora, a conversation about mental health and the church. Listen in as our hosts, the founders and directors of Agora Network Ministries, Alan and Bonnie Gallant, share practical, educational, and insightful information about the mental health conversation and stigma inside the walls of the church. Through interviews, stories, and Christ-centered devotionals, along with dialogues with leading Christian mental health professionals and network ministries, our hope is that you, the listener, will learn and experience that hope and healing can be found in a holistic approach for body, soul, and spirit. Our prayer is that you become more aware about the importance of your mental health and be willing to make the changes you need to become a healthier you, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Again, welcome to this program. Now, the founders and directors of Agora Network Ministries, Alan and Bonnie. Welcome, friends, to Hope for the Agora, a conversation about mental health and the church. Alan here. My wife, Bonnie, couldn't be with me tonight, so I'm all alone. Uh, you can uh, feel so her, sorry for me, but you don't have to because I can do this. I'm a big boy. Anyway, our night tonight will be a little different. Uh, I want to share with you um, about our journey. Uh, many of you have heard us talk about our journey, but uh, we have a, a, a small video that uh, we're going to play the audio on to give you a really understanding of the story of our crisis and how the beautiful strokes of God came to be and also how the uh, Gora ministry came to be. Uh, we realize more and more with this COVID-19 and the pandemic that a lot of people are facing a lot of anxieties and depression. There's a lot of fear and panic and I'm going to talk in a minute about how the church needs to respond to that. But one of the things that we're really trying to give the church is the resources. Uh, many churches are preparing to open up again. There's a number of churches that have in-person worship services, and that's good. Uh, I know many are following the protocols that uh, the government has uh, asked us to put in line, but uh, we also have to think about the mental health of our people, the spiritual, uh, the soul, and the body. Uh, our health is in so important, and so we need to be prepared and uh, one of the things that Agora wants to do is help the church be prepared uh, so you have resources to give you to your people at this time. Uh, there's coming uh, a third wave. Uh, they s talk about the second wave coming in the fall about COVID-19. But the third wave um, really looks a lot different. Uh, there's going to be a mental health crisis. And we're seeing that now um, the increase of depression and anxiety, even with believers, Christians. And also, we're hearing stats about how the suicide rate in Canada is increasing and will increase by probably 10% or more over the next coming years. 
So the church really needs to be prepared. And how are we going to help our people? Um, so I hope that you will listen tonight. Number one, listen to our story and why Agora is so important. And then I will give you some practical tips. And we also will hear from Pastor Gord Abraham. So again, thank you for being with us tonight. And uh, so listen to our story. Hi, my name is Alan Gallant, and I'm a stroke survivor, also the founder of Agora Network Ministries. On July the 7th, 2017, I was at work when I got a phone call from my mother-in-law that Alan had had a stroke. The day the stroke happened, I uh, came home from work. Um, I uh, was on my computer, I was getting ready for a haircut, but in a um, split second, uh, the stroke happened and it changed my life forever. She asked me if I was on my way, and I said, yep, I'm on my way, because she said, your husband has had a stroke. And at that point is when the reality sat in for me, that am I going to get there? Will I arrive before he passes away? Alan was a wonderful patient. He did everything that the doctors and nurses had asked him to do, and, and to watch him work so hard on his speech as the um, the speech pathologist would come in and work with him and the doctors would come in. It was amazing to see his determination of getting his speech back. I was going through a lot of burnout. I was uh, under a lot of stress and uh, um, I wasn't doing good uh, in my head. I was uh, diagnosed with a clinical depression and also severe anxiety. So. Uh, I, you know, we lived in Nova Scotia for many years and been in pastoral work for 33 years. Uh, but uh, the last uh, a number of years um, prior to the stroke, I was really struggling with a lot of issues in my life. There was a, 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 like a peace that came over me as well because I knew that this stroke was um, something uh, I think God permitted and so I knew he was very active within these uh, moments and uh, within the days following. I say to people that mm, the stroke was the easy part of my recovery because for some reason God really stepped in and uh, so I wasn't left with any paralysis on, other than my voice. And we just knew that in our hearts that God would heal him, but he didn't totally heal him. He left him with a voice, a different voice, so he could be a voice for those who have no voice. It's what God took us through um, and how he has um, taught us to grow and to rely on him and to see his work of grace in our lives and how much he loves us. And I think that was the biggest lesson to know that he wasn't done with us, that he still wanted to use us. The recovery process physically was going well, but I noticed that in over the weeks that I began to feel a little different inside. And uh, I know now they were panic attacks uh, uh, from fear and they were, uh, I was going through post-traumatic stress disorder because of the injury of my brain. I went home 
Uh, I uh, was okay, but I wasn't really myself in many ways. Um, the panic attacks became worse and worse. Um, I was put on some medication, uh, but that wasn't helping me because I was so acute in my um, panic attacks and anxieties were off the charts. I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat. I lost 30 some pounds uh, and one stress, 14 days, I didn't sleep, uh, I couldn't sleep and I couldn't eat. And I remember wanting to always run away. And I thought if this is my new normal, I didn't want it. So I began to think about ways to die. Uh, I began to think about dying by suicide because of um, I didn't know what to do. And we went to, uh, you know, uh, people to help us and they didn't know what to do either. So we were basically on our own to figure this out. So finally one night I had it, Bonnie had it, uh, and uh, we ended up in the hospital. And I said to my wife, I said, don't let them send me home, there's something wrong. And they brought in a crisis nurse. She just looked at me and went right up and got a psychiatrist in the mental health ward in the hospital. She came down and she was a lifesaver because when she said the words, we can help you for the first time in a long time, I felt hope again. And so I spent 10 days in the mental health unit to get the medication right and to really help me get balanced again. Um, but the journey wasn't over because I went home after 10 days and I crashed again. Uh, I crashed really bad and um, I hope that nobody has to go through what I did. Uh, we did get help. Well, interesting, in the mental health unit for those 10 days, I began to do what I do as a pastor. I began to care for others because I was feeling better. Uh, the medication was working and the therapy that they were giving me was working on many fronts. So I began to open my eyes and see the hurt and the discouragement of people that are struggling so deep, deeply with the mental health issues. And so I began to talk, think about, is there a way that I could minister and serve in this way? But uh, so I, I thought about it. I began to think about uh, how do I serve as a as a one who's called into the gospel ministry. I knew that I couldn't preach again like I used to, and I couldn't pastor like I used to. So I I dismissed the pastor role. So I began to pray. My wife and I began to pray and ask God, well, what's next? What can we do? And uh, so we uh, waited and prayed and thought, and then God began to put this in my uh, mind again about how we can help people. And I remember one time we went to a church, New Life, and um, they had asked Alan to share his testimony. And after Alan shared his testimony, someone came up to him and said, you have to share this story. It has to be heard. And I think it was then that we realized, I remember saying to Alan, God has called us to ministry, and I don't know what it's going to look like, and we wanted to be faithful to that. And um, 
that first time that he spoke, I knew too within my heart that he has a plan for us. And thus, we just kept moving forward with um, what do we do with our story? How is it going to look? And how is God going to uh, use it in the future? God had given me, I think, well before the stroke. Um, because I was looking at maybe how I could get back into ministry. And he gave me the name Agora, and I didn't know why. So I, I researched the name. And Agora means where the people gather. So the church is where people gather. Our heart and our heartbeat was still the church. And if we have journeyed through this, we knew that there was others journeying through it. So we just wanted in somehow, in some way, make our story known. Our mission is to bring hope and healing to the local church by way of educating, equipping, and engaging them to the mental health conversation and to the stigma inside these walls. We uh, resource the church with sustainable quality and practical resources that uh, really, really um, help the individual in a holistic way, body, soul, and spirit. Uh, we do that uh, by resourcing the church on the clinical side and on the biblical side. And so we have developed uh, many good networks with a lot of good resources because we want to get resources into the hands of the pastors and the leaders. So we have asked professionals to come alongside of us. We have uh, doctors of psychology, um, uh, mental health nurses, uh, social workers, psychotherapists. They have come alongside of Agoric because they too have seen the need within the church that it's time that um, the church is aware that we take off the blinders and realize that there's people in our pews that are hurting. Our biggest thing is that churches will see how important it is and to come alongside their local, Christian local psychotherapists, counselors, and set up something within their own church so that they can be the resource for the people within their church and also for people outside of the church. Um, I feel as the church, we should be the leading um, ones not only have the information practically but then we also have the spiritual information to give people so that they're holistically healed um, they need Jesus and sometimes we don't see that if we're not well in our mind and once our mind is able to think properly then we're able to focus on other things a ministry like Agora Network Ministry is so pivotal to help the church um, uh, just on the uh, what do we do, how do we do this. Um, so we want to come aside the church, sort of speak and say we have some answers for you. And uh, so I hope that will uh, come to be more and more as we move forward with this ministry and uh, the church reaches out to receive help from us. Thank you for listening to our story and uh, the mission and vision of Agora Network Ministries. 
Uh, we're so thankful to God that we were allowed to begin this ministry and uh, we are watching it grow. But our hearts are burdened for the pastor and church and the members that they get the care that they need. We want to assure you that we're working to provide the necessary resources for you so that you can help your people. Last week, or this month, I should say, we've been focusing on the topic of depression. And we've been defining it and sharing some things that uh, we think are important for us to know. We looked at some symptoms and uh, what people are saying about the response of the church. But tonight, I want to share with you what people are saying that the church can do better to help people that suffer with mental illness. Uh, so just listen to uh, a, a few ways a majority said the church could assist them, those that have mental illness in the church. 74% say to help families find local resources for support and dealing with the illness. In every city, in every region, there are great local resources. For instance, in most cities in Canada, there is the Canadian Mental Health Association and also many other local mental health resources or networks that you can really find uh, to help your people. 63% said this, Talk about it openly so the topic is not so taboo. For many years, the topic of mental illness has been taboo in the church. So 63% of people that are going through uh, some type of mental illness said, Talk about it. Be open about it. Help us to understand that you are aware of this issue. 61% said this, improve people's understanding of what mental illness is and what to expect. But not only what mental illness is, what, but what is not. And uh, see, so many people don't understand mental illness. Again, the church looks at it as a spiritual issue. Uh, but it's not a spiritual issue, mental illness is a clinical, medical, and so we need people to understand. 58% said, provide training for the church to understand mental illness. One of the things we're excited about in Agora Network Ministries is the training that can be provided by the many psychotherapists and mental health professionals that we have on our team. We are so blessed to have many that can train the church to understand mental illness and also to help people that are in or going through mental illness. And then they said, 57% said increase awareness of how prevalent prevalent mental illness is today. And like I said earlier, in this pandemic, it's becoming more and more prevalent. prevalent. And so we have to be prepared and aware and know that this is not going away. 
this uh, issue of mental illness and the stigma. And so we need to know how to deal with it. And so again, Agora Network Ministries has been raised up to help the church and the pastor and those that are suffering, whether a caregiver or one that is a victim of some form of mental illness. And we really hope that you will reach out to us in these days. We're going to start uh, sharing more and more about how you can plug into these resources over uh, this um, pandemic and really get prepared. Now, right now, we're going to listen to Pastor Gore Abraham, A Mind for What Matters, and he's talking about depression and the life of Elijah. So listen to Pastor Gore as he shares today. Greetings, friends. This is our third look together at the common experience of depression that many of us face. If you listen to each broadcast, you're being given practical resources available from Agora Network Ministries and their partners. Followers of Jesus are still human and still subject to many of the struggles that others face in this life, but God is with us, even in our darkest moments. We are looking in 1 Kings 19, where Elijah the prophet is called to be the voice of God to an evil king and nation. After the great demonstration of the reality of the God of Israel, and the victory over evil, there is a change to the story. The prophet is rejected, threatened with death, and being exhausted and fearful, runs for his life. Hiding in the wilderness, he sulks under a tree, where he begins to pour out his self-pity to God. Listen to the lies he has been telling himself. He says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. What happens next is quite interesting. No great spiritual conversation or rebuke from God. No spiritualizing, simply the prophet laying down and sleeping. Then while he was sleeping, it says, an angel touched him and told him to get up and eat. There beside his head was some bread baked on a stone and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. God's patience is so evident in our lives as it was in Elijah's. In Psalm 103:14, we read, For he knows how weak we are, he remembers we are only dust. After some rest, Elijah was again awakened, fed, and told to move on to a mountain for the next step in his recovery, where he continues in self-pity. He says, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Negative self-talk, self-pity, and listening to lies that were in his thoughts. He wasn't the only one left. He wasn't the only one faithful. There were many others who were faithful to God, and they were going through their own difficult times. As we continue to read 1 Kings 19, God takes Elijah further into restoration and recovery from his depressed state by showing him that he, God, works in very powerful and mighty ways, or he can work in quiet ways. It's up to God to decide, not us. Lastly, God takes him outside his own inner struggles and self-pity, changing his perspective by having Elijah continue to be the voice of God, giving himself for others, and commissioning his successor. 
First lesson we can learn from all of this is that there's going to be times when we are emotionally, spiritually, and physically spent. We need to return to quietness, rest, and solitude to focus on who the Lord is and how we need Him for our strength. We are at best humans, and God understands that, but doesn't let us rest on it. Another lesson from the story is that when we become too self-focused, tell ourselves lies, we need to challenge our thinking with the truth of the scriptures and God's greatness and presence in our lives. We cannot allow ourselves to believe the lies. A final lesson that we need to take on so we don't spiral downward into a deep depression is to begin to look outward, to focus on the needs of others, to take steps to meet the needs of others even if I am still struggling. I have found this to be the key step in bringing me out of a depression and giving me a healthier perspective. Obviously, there's much more to learn about depression that requires longer-term help. That's why this month we are focusing on this subject of depression and offering you insight, help, and resources. Hi, I'm Dan Thompson, and I'm one of the pastors at Grace Baptist Church here in beautiful Prince Edward Island. I'd just like to take a moment and let you know how much I appreciate Alan and Bonnie Gallant and their ministry at Agora Network Ministries. The reality of uh, mental health, especially in the church, uh, seems to have a stigma surrounding it. It seems like if you struggle or if you have a problem, you're just supposed to bury it. Um, it's not supposed to be something that you bring to the surface or especially in, in the church realm to expose that you have a need or you have a problem or a struggle of some, some kind. Struggling seems to be something we don't want to talk about, yet scripture is full of examples of those who struggled, even from King David all the way down. It seems that in our, maybe our pride, we don't want to come to grips with the reality that we all struggle. As pastors in Atlantic Canada, and specifically here in Prince Edward Island, uh, we struggle with this reality because uh, first it's hard to talk about struggle, then it's to know how to deal with the struggle. And because of the stigma, we can wait a long time. And because maybe at the church we're not equipped as much as we could be as pastors and as um, those who volunteer to help people, we're just not equipped. We don't know, we're not, we don't have the tools. We don't know how to deal with problems that come at us. And of course, us as clergy, as pastors, we are trained to deal with difficult situations and we believe it's our calling to help people. Uh, but oftentimes we struggle ourselves to know uh, what to do and the steps to take uh, where things are beyond our ability and where things are definitely uh, able to be tackled directly with scripture. So I'm thankful that Alan and Bonnie, who I've known for many, many years and uh, even share a birthday with Alan, although he is 10 years older than me, we love them and appreciate them so much because I think what they're going to offer us is not just practical tips and tools to help those in need, but also to equip ministry leaders and those who uh, want to know how to help people, and of course us as pastors and clergy in Prince Edward Island, but also in Atlantic Canada, and uh, of course it's around the world. Especially in these times, uh, we, we've had many struggles before the global pandemic, but now uh, it's even amplified more. And I'm thankful that Alan and Bonnie and the Agora Network Ministries team are building up 
a network of resources and people and trainers and tools to be able to encourage and help the church. So I'm very thankful that this ministry has been started and I look forward to the encouragement and the blessing it's going to be to the church. Thank you for listening in tonight. I hope that this was a blessing for you. As it's always a blessing for me and my wife to be able to share from our hearts uh, this program about mental health and the church. So I hope that next week you will join in and again and get your pastor to join in because uh, Alan Kleindier will be sharing uh, next uh, Friday night. So on behalf of the Agora team and myself and my wife, we'll see you later and God bless you. As we conclude our program, we want to thank you for listening to today's broadcast. For more information about Agora, we invite you to journey through our website, www.agoranetworkministries.com. Also, please subscribe while there, or email us at info at agoranetworkministries.com. Until next time, may you know and experience the hope and healing that comes from the greatest healer, Jesus Christ.